All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Glad you're with us. Toll free, our number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, apparently, as of 712, I guess he's out in the West Coast uh, time. It would be 1012 Eastern time. Uh, it looks like Tiger Woods was injured uh, in a single car crash in Los Angeles. They needed to use the jaws of life to extract him from the vehicle. There's now pictures on all over new, the news channels in terms of the, the I mean, the car is just totaled. Uh, reports now that he is in surgery, leg surgery, leg injuries after the crash. Uh, I hope everyone doesn't rush to judgment. I know what happened after the last crash and people might be wondering, but anyway, and uh, hope that he's okay. He's just one of the most gifted athletes I think I've ever watched in my life. And um, anyways, this, the driver, sole occupant, single vehicle uh, uh, car crash. Looks like the car veered off the road down an embankment. Maybe not that steep, but but anyway, they used the Jaws of Life to get him out. Jaws of Life, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing equipment that, rescue workers use to extract people from cars that they'll literally use it and sort of like scissors for for metal that just cuts into anything in the car and is able to get, extract somebody that's you know in the car um not an easy procedure uh well if we hear any more throughout the uh, program we'll update you uh, there's a report the president is ready to announce plans. Donald Trump, president in exile uh, for 2024 at CPAC when he speaks this weekend. I have no idea if that is true or not. We'll, we'll wait. We'll find out. We'll see. Uh, we certainly need to get to the bottom of some of the election issues. Uh, if we have laws on the books, Jay Sekulow will join us later today about it. We're partisan observers can observe. I mean, I'm not sure why we even bother having a Supreme Court if the Supreme Court won't rule on whether a state legislature can bypass their own constitution and their argument by some. It was a 6-3 decision, a great dissent by by Clarence Thomas and Alito, by the way, and, and Gorsuch. Um, our fellow citizens deserve better. And the fact that they're saying it's a moot point. No, it's not, because moving forward. Look at the Wisconsin Supreme Court decision, the chief justice in Wisconsin, that 4-3 decision saying that unless the other four justices on this court get the courage to deal with these issues, they're not going to they're going to keep coming up again and again and again. I mean, you got to resolve it. It's not impossible to fix issues that are wrong. The law calls for and the statutory language allows partisan observers to observe elections well, if it doesn't happen, it raises suspicions. People then don't have the confidence and the integrity and the outcome. That is something we can easily fix. After Florida 2000, after Florida 2016, Ron DeSantis showed you can fix it and elections can be done, done smoothly, accurate counts. Everybody has full faith, confidence in the results. You move on. Now, if one state can do it, many states can do it. Every state ought to be able to do it. So, yeah, I can't think of an issue more important for the Supreme Court that they would need to have. Um, I'm watching the happenings on Capitol Hill. And what do we say about snap impeachment? Snap impeachment's a bad idea. Why? You don't even have an investigation. There were no witnesses in the snap impeachment 
that we just endured again. This is number two. It was it was just the extension of the never ending witch hunt against Donald Trump. But now they're holding hearings about what happened at the Capitol and the attacks on the Capitol on January 6th. And it's pretty revealing commentary by officials from that day. You know, Amy Klobuchar asked some simple yes or no questions designed to move, you know, move the 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 fact finding portion of this along and what really happened on the 6th and what was going on during the attacks. And based on, quote, based on what we know, including the recent Department of Justice indictments, do you agree there's now clear evidence that supports the conclusion that the January 6th insurrection favorite word of liberals was planned and it was coordinated as an attack on the U.S. Capitol. Every official agreed, every single one of them. Well, then that kind of takes away the whole argument that Donald Trump's language to that many of you will peacefully, patriotically march to the Capitol to let your voices be heard. That doesn't, if it was pre-planned, it was a pre-planned attack. Would you agree that this attack involved white supremacists and extremist groups? Everyone agreed. Would you agree that this was a highly dangerous situation, which was horrific but could have actually been worse without the courage of the officers you commanded? Everyone agreed there. Former U.S. Capitol Police Chief, by the way, he's the one that resigned after this attack. I don't know why this guy resigned. He, had, he was the one that requested the National Guard on six separate occasions and was denied the support. He answered the next question, revealed that he was not made aware of the FBI intelligence that we now know was in existence prior to what happened on the 6th about the attacks that had been filed the day before and explained that Capitol Police does not have their own intelligence operation and they solely are reliant on that which is shared with 18 federal intelligence agencies. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, if all of those are facts and all of them are true, then you have a hard time taking the language of Trump that we've examined to death and say that he incited this whole thing. Unbelievable. Um, we're going to get into later in the program with our friend Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Democrats, and this is getting fascinating, Democrats in New York State are now calling. For the governor, Democrats are doing this, to be impeached over the nursing home scandal. We see what's happening with Gavin Newsom with this recall effort out in California. Democrat Ron Kim says that Trump threatened him. Uh, we now have we have reporters now beginning to claim the same thing. And anyway, Governor Cuomo, anyway, Ron Kim threatening Cuomo to be impeached over the scandal, but... 60% of New Yorkers now say that Cuomo's nursing home cover-up was either unethical or illegal. We have the a real whistleblower with a real name and a real identity that's spoken publicly saying, yeah, we didn't want to give you the real numbers because of the Justice Department investigation. That's not particularly helpful to Cuomo. You know, uh, Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, was asked if Biden still considers Cuomo the gold standard. Whoopsie-daisy. 
Uh, we work with Governor Cuomo just like we work with governors across the country. He's played an important role in ensuring that we are getting assistance out to the people in, in his state. We will continue to do that. There will be an investigation. We'll leave that to others. Okay. Joe taking another tough stand. Finally, they're now confronted. When is Joe going to do a press conference? Was Joe going to pre-pick everybody like he usually does? You have hundred. You know, the biggest, the, the, the most frustrating thing in all of this is everybody criticizes Donald Trump on COVID relief. Democrats were impeaching him, and he was putting in place the xenophobic, uh, hysterical, travel ban as joe biden called it not only the day it was put in effect or the day after but still saying it in march but then trump also did the following put the travel ban now i've interviewed fauci on this show and fauci has said it saved an incalculable number of lives it bought us needed time and it did and then you look at okay it when when new york hit the worst of it new york remember had a health care task force New York was told when it happens, not if it happens, you're going to need 15,783 ventilators. Well, Governor Cuomo's task force, he didn't listen. He didn't get one. Just like the city of New York said that they need on their own 10,000. They didn't get one either. Or they got a couple under Bloomberg, like a couple of hundred. That was it. And then you got these hospital beds built by Trump, converted to COVID capability by Trump, manned by Trump, all of the PPE, the masks, the gowns, the gloves, the shields, the beds, everything, the medicines, all there. 80% of those beds remain empty. Javits Center, other hospitals built, the, the, the Navy ship, the Comfort. It's unbelievable. And for Democrats that don't want to impeach Cuomo, they at least want censure for him. Um... You've got some now in the media now telling stories about threats from Cuomo and his administrators. That's getting out of control. And then you got this whole issue of Dr. Fauci, Megan McCain, you know, calling for she's had enough of Fauci. I'm over Fauci. I'm with her. I've tried to give Fauci the benefit of the doubt. He spent decades of his life trying to save people's lives. But his mixed messages, his inconsistencies about COVID-19 and masks and vaccines and reopenings. You know what? He, for, let me give you some example, uh, examples of him. You know, he was on 60 Minutes in March, early March, warning of unintended consequences of masks. And people keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. He was telling us not to wear masks in the beginning. And then that became wear the mask. And then it became just a month ago, wear double masks. I mean, who could, it makes your head spin. All of the projections were wrong. They politicized, you know, remember, we had Daniel Wallace's letter in April of last year. The risk of taking hydroxychloroquine, which I have been prescribing with the largest lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, anti-malarial practice in the country for the last 42 years is nil. Now there's the Henry Ford study and numerous other studies. I think we're up to six or seven. That say, yeah, taken early, it did have it did help mitigate some of the symptoms. It was not a panacea, it wasn't a cure. Under Trump, though, we we did build out Regeneron and Eli uh, Lilly's version of it. Operation Warp Speed worked, the travel ban worked, building the hospitals worked. 
Nobody ran out of ventilators. We need 40,000 ventilators. That was all Trump that got that done. But never, get, never ever, you know, give Trump credit for anything. Fauci now is saying we may have to be wearing face masks into 2022. I'm like, are you out of your mind? What is going on here? And then he's saying, if you get the vaccination, <laughs> this blew me away. You know, he's saying you still can't eat inside a restaurant. I'm like, what? Uh, that's, that's, you know, the National Review had a great piece. Fauci's not your God. Megan McCain, time to fire Fauci. You know, New York Times, I'm not vested with Biden's authority of Fauci's expertise. Um, and people are frustrated with a lot of points. Fauci's now saying vaccinated people shouldn't dine indoors or go to a theater quite yet. Well, what's the point of having the vaccine? Fauci can't say whether or not fully vaccinated grandparents can even spend safe time with their grandkids. When we were returned to normal, well, there's probably going to be mask wearing until 2022. Fauci blaming partisan fights over mask wearing leading to death. Well, that, that was his fight originally. You know, he's the one that's changed his position repeatedly. Unbelievable. Contradictions, you know, you know, in January, he said it's not a not a major threat, COVID-19. In April, he claimed that he realized the U.S. was in trouble. And then in March of last year, Fauci had no reason to be walking around with, with a mask on. Okay, I'm, I'm not even really being critical, but everyone bows at the altar of Fauci. Nobody wanted to listen to Fauci saying something like, oh, you can vote in person safely with social distancing and masks. Just sick of everything. Now we got a COVID-19 bill. I'll give you more details on that. It's, it, we're not even spending a ton of the money till 2022 or 2024. And most of it is not earmarked for real relief for COVID. Yeah, month of Biden. Let's see. Oh, yeah, we got the latest shift uh, show charade impeachment trial. Then legislation that would ban President Trump from the Capitol grounds. And even Arlington National Cemetery uh, if you're impeached twice. Well, since Biden's been president, 100,000 Americans have died. Am I blaming Joe? No, I am not blaming Joe. I'm just making a point. The only reason we'll get out of this as fast as we will is because of Trump's Operation Warp Speed, not Joe's. It, you know, uh, then, of course, H.R. 1. So we can, you know, we can bake in forever in perpetuity the the covid restriction adjustments to voting in the country. That's a bad idea. Um, they have no particular rush to pass a real covid relief package. And you look you look at one point nine trillion. Wall Street Journal called it the non covid spending blowout. Putting aside the fourteen hundred dollar pay payments to some Americans, the bulk of the spending has nothing to do with getting immediate assistance to Americans in need. Seven hundred billion won't even be spent until after twenty twenty two billions that won't be spent till after twenty twenty four. How is this covid relief? Three hundred and fifty billion earmarked as a bailout for big blue states and local governments. You know, people that elect radical leftist Democrats that never balance their budgets or fund their pensions. Red states are now going to pay to bail out these blue states. It's ridiculous. That's called redistribution, in case you're interested. 
You know, $112 million for a transit project in California, $50 million for environmental justice grants, whatever even that means. We're going to $1.5 billion Seaway International Bridge, $10 million for, I mean, it just goes on and on. Madness. We'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. You know, it's, it's very interesting to watch the left. I guess Naomi Wolf was on with Tucker last night. I saw this on foxnews.com. And, and what's interesting, she served as an advisor on Bill Clinton's reelection campaign in 96 and telling Tucker that in her view, the U.S. is swiftly, quote, moving into a, a coup situation or police state as a result of Biden's ongoing coronavirus related economic shutdowns. I mean, it's I can't even explain what it's done to New York City. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't think any of you that live in any red state should have to pay a single penny to bail out New York, meaning the state or they're, they run deficits, they don't balance the budget, they spend wildly beyond their means, they tax people into oblivion, and, and the worst governance you'd ever imagine. And, you, and in red states, you're electing governors that are fiscally responsible, balance their budgets, fund their pensions, and that hard-earned tax, those hard-earned tax dollars shouldn't be redistributed. The problem is, is that this, this goes to the heart of why socialism always fails. And that is these, these incredible promises that are made. That we're gonna we're gonna take care of your student loan forgiveness. We're gonna guarantee you a job at a government guaranteed wage and and guaranteed government healthy food and guaranteed government education, pre-K all the way through college, free college. And we're gonna guarantee you, you know, a, a guaranteed government job and a guaranteed government health care and guaranteed government retirement, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. And you believe this crap, which a lot of people do. I guess it's appealing. Oh, I don't have to worry about anything in life. I guess it sounds good to some people. Maybe life has natural stresses. Stress. I think people think that stress is a bad thing. Well, some stress can kill you. Yeah. I mean, if you're too stressed out, like Linda, she's a little too stressed out every once in a while. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist the shot. I had to take it. Um, but it, it and I didn't mean it. Don't look at me like I, I meant Listen, it. Listen, it's the Sean Hannity show. By all means, <laughs> say whatever you like. Oh man! Well, well, this stress and pressure every day to get the show on the air. Oh yeah. This, this, oh yeah. This. You suffer a ton getting this show on the air. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I, know. I know. All I do is show up and talk. That, You're the I, talent. Way, we covered this about a year ago. Is, that drives me nuts. I assure you, my list that. of what drives me nuts is about thirty <laughs> times longer. Okay, your hate list is kids keep. No, growing. my hate list has I, about I, eighteen years people ago, on it. Nip that in the bud, and we've gone backwards dramatically. We have not Just gone saying. backwards. There's eighteen people on it. Eighteen, and people. then four hundred and thirty-five members of Congress. That's about okay. it. Okay, well, five hundred and thirty-five. You're forgetting the U.S. Senate. You're right. You I didn't. I, 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 I misspoke. Forgive me. <laughs> I had a, a Biden problem. moment. But we have stress. The stress. You know that that that's why I feel so badly. To all these guys, stroke of a pen, radical environmentalism, new green deal. Sorry, pipelines closed. Sorry, border wall construction. 
even though we have holes that we haven't filled, yeah, that's closed too. Now you got, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and and a friend of mine gave me that name. I love it. And and what's Scarlett Johansson and company, the usual libs out in the West Coast. Yeah, well, we got to we got to close the Dakota pipeline. Now we're going to shut down Anwar. Great. You're going to make Russia rich again. You're going to make the Iranians rich again. You're going to make the Middle Eastern countries that hate our guts rich again and China rich again. Wow. So great. The problem is, is the same people that can't keep your cities and your towns safe and secure that don't responsibly support law and order. The ones that, um, let's see, can't educate your kids, even though we spend more per capita per child than any other country in the industrialized world with the worst results. And the same people that promise you keep your doctor care and save money. Yeah, but now they're going to do all this other stuff. We believe them. They're going to take care of you and take your stress away. Well, sounds great on paper, but let me tell you how the, this is going to end. It is not going to end the way they say. You're going to end up being disappointed. These promises will be unfulfilled. The money will be wasted. There'll be fraud, corruption, and abuse, as there always is with government. And then you'll be scratching your head. And in the name of false security, it always, always, always results not in more wealth, but in more poverty. And on top of it, in the name of security, you give up something that is called freedom. Then it's a matter of how much freedom at the end of this process you gave up. And that's what I think. That's how I interpreted what Naomi Wolf was saying. She says it trans, it's not a partisan thing. It transcends everything you and I might disagree on that should bring the left and right together. And she was warning about these lockdowns. Listen, every American now knows, everybody knows about masks. Everybody knows about social distancing. We all know, you know, uh, what is my argument? Why uh, People were getting mad at me when I was saying, you know what? I don't, I don't really mind wearing the stupid mask. I know it's not going to be forever. I mean, we're making great pro progress with therapeutics, Regeneron, the Eli Lilly vaccine. We were following phase one trials, phase two trials, phase three trials, you know, Operation Warp Speed work. We have the vaccine. Trump, you know, for a month before he's leaving, a million shots in people's arms uh, every single day. And you can thank Donald Trump for that, not Joe, who seems clueless about pretty much everything. But this is it. And you see this. It's, you know, you have FCC now sounding an alarm because you got two top officials from the Federal Communications Commission saying yesterday that this attempt by House Democrats, they are trying to put pressure on television carriers to deplatform. This is what what Humpty Dumpty wants and and all these these groups that spend hundreds of millions of dollars monitoring every second minute of every conservative on the air and silence and boycott and just because they don't like other people's opinions. Well, that's not going to end well. Anyway, the FCC commissioner commissioners, Brendan Carr and Nathan uh, Symington in separate statements responding to these these letters penned by Democrats in the House Energy and Commerce Committee, you know, that were sent to cable satellite streaming companies, you know, to basically cancel, you know, Fox News. They don't like Fox News. 
Is anybody forcing anybody to watch Fox News? No. And and, and um, this is just a true statement. Not, not everybody on Fox is conservative. Like me. It's just not true. It just doesn't exist. You know, Geraldo is not as conservative as I am. There's Juan Williams. There's uh, Miss Harf. I forget her first name. Uh, Maria Harf, I believe. Yeah. Marie Harf. They're not. Or Donna Brazil. They don't agree with me. Fine. Okay. I've got my one little hour. Thankfully, nobody bothers me with my one hour. Um, but they just, but that's not what they want. They want to deplatform. Okay, what does that mean? Boycott, deplatform, just ways of shutting you up and silencing your voice because they don't like it. You know, years ago when they were trying to, everyone was all over Howard Stern and jumping on his ass over the, you know, the show that he did on terrestrial radio. You didn't have to listen to Howard. You didn't have to listen to Amos. You didn't have to listen to Rush, who recently passed away. I can't make you listen. I can invite you to listen, hope you listen, pray you listen. You, I, I only get to keep the job if you listen. I only get to keep the job if you watch. But a few dissenting, a few, there's not a lot of us. And they want to silence them all. By the way, I'm watching all this unfold with Biden. None of this is good. Did you, Merrick Gardland sounded like he knew nothing yesterday. Listen to this. Senator, I... I don't know anything really about the investigation. Um, I I don't know very much specifically about your two proposals. I don't know what more might be needed. I don't know what the practicalities. I don't know uh, specifically about those, but each of them has the ring of something that's very important. So, Senator, um, I don't know the specifics of the act. Yeah, I I don't know the specifics of all of them. I don't know the specifics of of how the legislation would do that, but uh, I, I do think that, yes. He didn't even know anything about the Durham investigation. What rock are you living under? I don't know anything about that. Unbelievable. Oh, this is this is great irony. Um, Daily Wire had a piece out. <laughs> House Democrats have started a process of trying to determine whether a Republican congresswoman legitimate declared winner of a race in Iowa that was decided by six votes could ultimately end up with Democrats deciding to seat the Democrat at this late hour, <laughs> just like some of the late called races in New York. Yeah, they were, they were out there criticizing these these whatever, you know, they, they were doing the same thing, saying the same things Donald Trump said that they thought was horrible. Anyway, NBC has a poll out. Blue collar voters are deserting the Democratic Party as they should. They're not the party of working men and women. Look how many jobs they just stroke of a pen. Environmentalism, you know, take Trump's good, high paying career jobs in the energy sector. Just sorry. Good luck. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just get another good union job. Get another good. Where are you going to get another good union job? New Jersey now officially has legalized the sale of weed. New York's going to follow soon. Sports betting legal. New Jersey. It's all about money. You know, that's why they do it, right? Because they used to call that, you know, the organized crime. It's not organized crime when the government does it. Merrick Garland wasn't even sure if illegal immigration is illegal. He wants to be the top law enforcement officer. Is asked by Josh Hawley, do you believe that, that illegal entry at America's borders should remain a crime? 
The response, well, I haven't really thought about that question. I just haven't thought about it. And I think, you know, the president has made clear that we are a country with borders and with a concern of national security. I, I, I don't know of a proposal to decriminalize but still make it unlawful to enter. I just don't know the answer. I haven't thought about it. That was the answer. And, you know, after that, Garland apparently hadn't done enough to destroy his reputation. So then he started explaining his position on prosecuting illegal immigrants. Well, this is, again, a question of allocation of resources. We will, the department, prevent unlawful crossing. I don't know. I, 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 you know, I have to admit, I just don't know exactly what the conditions are and how this is to be done. Oh, my gosh. Did you not notice? You ever watch the news? Caravans heading north. You look at Biden, this 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 big waste, fraud and abuse, one point nine trillion dollar non-covid relief bill. Most of it non-covid relief. Pretty unbelievable. You know, and then you look, oh, yeah, we're going to raise the minimum wage in the bill. We're going to pass every liberal dream in that bill. Democrats, I'm telling you, they're walking towards a political disaster here. Because when people see the waste, fraud and abuse, they're not going to like it. Democratic lawmaker to small businesses that can't afford a minimum wage increase. Good riddance. I'm like, really? They actually said out loud. Good riddance. Jen Psaki, press secretary, asked why most school spending won't happen until after this year. They didn't have an answer for that either. We got signs of inflation mounting. Um, none of this is going to go good for the country. You know, you guys are taking credit. I'll get to that later in the program for, for Trump's successes. But all of this... You know, Yellen, uh, the Treasury Secretary, is now signaling capital gains is worth higher taxes, uh, corporate taxes and capital gains. Okay, let me explain again. Corporations in America don't pay taxes. They pass the tax on to you and me and every other American. You pay more. You know, they're building. I mean, I mean, this is just this every single decision they're making are job-killing decisions with the hopes that the new Green Deal Solyndra future that they're imagining here and and electric recharging stations they want to build all over the country, the lifeblood of the world's economy is oil, gas, coal. It would be nuclear energy if we'd ever allow that, but they don't even want to allow that. Anyway, 75 congressional Republicans urge Biden to dump his Health and Human Services Secretary, Xavier Sierra, you know, open borders, but closed schools. Joe Biden still admitting, oh, I wake up every morning, look at chill and say, where the hell are we? Man. Come on, man. You a junkie, man? Come on, man. Can't tell you when we're going to get everything from Iran, the nuclear deal, the Middle East, bragging, you know, okay, the remain in Mexico, immigration, judges, Statehood for D.C., Puerto Rico. It's all coming. It's all happening right before your eyes. I hate to say we told you so. I wish I was wrong. wish I could come on the program and say, yep, I was wrong. We weren't. My pleasure with us, Howard 2, Sean Hannity Show. Toll free, it's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Joining us now, Jay Sekulow, Chief Counsel, American Center for Law and Justice, also the president's attorney. 
uh, here to discuss, number one, the ruling by the Supreme Court. Big beatdown, I thought, in the dissent by Clarence Thomas yesterday, denying the state of Pennsylvania the right to be heard in their election disputes. Uh, in the dissent, I mean, uh, Thomas used some very, very strong language that went to the heart of a lot of things here. It is a, a, it's sort of like the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court case to me, and that is that they won't hear about whether or not this is a constitutional issue. If you're not going to take this case up where they can bypass the state constitution of Pennsylvania and legislate around it when they have a process for amending the Constitution, which would be the proper procedures, and they're not going to rectify it after it happens because it's, quote, a moot point, uh, makes no sense to me whatsoever because that doesn't resolve the fundamental issue. Anyway, Jay joins us uh, now as well as the decision about the president's taxes. Uh, Sir, welcome back to the program. Hey, Sean, it's good to be with you. Uh, let, let's start with the Supreme Court. Won't hear GOP's Pennsylvania election challenge. There were there were three specific issues I honed in on post-election. One was the Wisconsin law that did not allow for mail-in balloting, and the efforts to thwart that were great and significant, as the dissent in a 4-3 decision pointed out. And the dissent was by the chief justice in that case. In Pennsylvania, the case I just mentioned, in Georgia, you had different standards as it relates to signature verification. One for mail-in balloting, the other if you went in person. Far more stringent standards for voters that voted day of or voted in person voting. Thoughts? Well, look, this election litigation was very, very, I will say, uh, complicated to say the least. And you mentioned the Wisconsin 4-3 to decision. Um, one justice there, and that would have changed that entire process. Now, what the Supreme Court did, which is interesting here, the Pennsylvania cases were actually brought up earlier, and the court did not get the four votes necessary to grant certiorari. And they said, you know, if it comes up during the election, we could decide it. In other words, it was premature. Then it came up during the election, right, I mean, two days after the election, and they said, the majority of the court said, we're not going to hear it. Now, they don't give a reason, but the reason is they thought it was moot. And, and, they, and they actually say in it that they, they viewed it as moot. And I, I read that because my only appearance in any case involving the election, I was not involved in those, was the Supreme Court case in Pennsylvania, where, if you recall, we initially received the stay on how those votes that came in late, the legislature had a specific law that said when the votes had to be in at a particular time, and the court said, well, we're going to moot that out because of COVID. The argument being, of course, that they didn't have the constitutional authority to do it. Courts don't write laws. And we got the stay, and then the case was set up there, and the court denied the motion to intervene as moot, and then denied the petition for Richard Sersroy. Now, Justice Thomas said, and this is important for people to understand why these cases are going to continually come up. Three justices came up and said that, in fact, the court should have heard the cases. That was Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch. Here's what he writes. One wonders what this court waits for, in other words, not hearing the case. We failed to settle this dispute before the election and thus provide clear guidance, clear rules. Now we again fail to provide clear rules for future elections. 
The decision to leave election law hidden beneath a shroud of doubt is baffling. By doing nothing, we invite further confusion and erosion of voter confidence. Our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more of us. I respectfully dissent. Justice Alito said in his, his dissent, separate opinion, he writes, for these reasons, the cases now before us are not moot. There is a reasonable expectation that the parties will face the same questions in the future and that the question will evade future pre-election review just as it did in these cases. These cases call out for review, and I respectfully dissent from the court's decision to deny certiorari. Here's what this means. This means that a thorough review of every battleground state at a minimum needs to take place, and laws that are on the books that we deem unconstitutional need to be challenged now. Consent decrees that violate constitutional parameters of state constitutions or the federal constitutions need to be dealt with now before the 2022 election, which will be on top of us. You know, they'll start campaigning in nine months. Now, th- th- this is critical. I mean, in Clarence Thomas's dissent, our fellow citizens deserve better. The, the chief justice in Wisconsin, that 4-3 decision there, until the other four justices on this court, this is the, the chief justice in Wisconsin, have the courage. This will keep happening again and again. Now, the, the other legal issue that, that came up post-election that I paid a lot of attention to didn't seem to impact others. Why, I don't know, is the statutory language in almost every state that we, in question, if you will, um, allows for partisan observers to observe. Now, they had COVID protocols that had to be followed, but there was absolutely no preparation made at all to accommodate the law, the statutes, as written in all these states, which, which means there was no observation of any of the vote count. Now, you say this all has to be done before 2022. I, I agree with you. And that now then becomes the role of the state legislature. But if the Supreme Court won't rule on an issue of bypassing a state constitution and allowing the legislature to ignore the constitution of their state, I, I don't know how you remedy that. I think we can get cases to start in the district courts and rise up to the Supreme Court of the United States now that set forth a strategy so that these are valid, live, pre-trial issues. So the trial has the, the, when I say pre-trial, pre-election issues. The election hasn't taken place. That that is a pre-election challenge. You're allowed to do that. So here it was post-election. So you're not going to have the frenzy of a presidential election, which is the time to get rid of these problems. And, it, and, and the laws just need to be, you know, we need some uniformity, but the Constitution says it goes to the states. So, I mean, it's the states that get to decide this. And, but they have to comply with the U.S. Constitution and, of course, their own state constitutions. So we yeah. are starting to look at that. The American Center for Law and Justice, the ACLJ, we're starting to look at that issue already, as you already know. And we're going to propose ideas on how these challenges should go forward. But ultimately, you've got to get these things moving because the 2022 election is going to be here before we blink an eye. All right. So now I want to move on and talk a little bit about the, the tax issue and the tax returns. The court ruling uh, can be handed over to the state of New York and, and yep. Cyrus Vance, the AG, who's the prosecutor in this case, looking yep. into the, the President Trump, his taxes, his finances, et cetera, et cetera. You're working yep. on that case. Look, I don't know anything about it. I've never seen his tax returns. But from 
knowing how businesses are run, I doubt there would ever be a billionaire or, frankly, any wealthy person whose taxes would look good unless there's a W-2 and unless somebody's an employee and and unless there are no no deductions available. I would imagine it would be more complicated than the average person's tax returns, number one. And number two, I would imagine that the president, then private citizen Donald Trump, probably hired the best accountants and lawyers available, and they were the ones that filled out the taxes and not him. Well, I could tell you this. I mean, the 45th president of the United States did not go down and meet with the local, and no disrespect to H&R Block. Actually, they do a lot of work. Uh, but he didn't go down to the local agent or block and sit down and say, here are my W-2s and let's do my tax return. You're absolutely correct. The tax returns are from a business and from his personal work, which includes media, real estate. Real estate tax returns are complicated by nature. He had expert CPAs. He had expert tax counsel that prepared the returns. I'm not concerned about the returns. We fought, we fought it during while he was president. We did not think it was appropriate to be able to seek those records, at least not unless they could show a special heightened need. Two justices, actually four justices, would have agreed with us on heightened need. I suspect if we had Amy Barrett now, she probably would have too. I don't know that. But it wouldn't have mattered because now the 45th president is the former president. But from a strategy standpoint, I'm not going to discuss trial strategy, and I don't think these are going to trial, but from a a litigation strategy or case strategy, when you defend tax cases, you use the tax returns to defend your case. So this is not complicated. The tax returns may be complicated, but this is not a complicated defense. You know, the, the president does make a point. I mean, I'm not sure if you followed Merrick Garland's hearing yesterday, but he, he I mean, he seemed like he didn't know, uh, never picked up a newspaper to me and didn't know much about anything and wasn't even willing to commit to keeping the Durham investigation ongoing we now had a smoking gun email appear. James Comey to uh, Jim Clapper, and in that he he acknowledged, and this was the day that he signed the second second FISA application, this the first renewal application. Subsequently, signed a third application, three of the four, and admitted that he was not able to verify the the veracity and truthfulness of what we now know is debunked, which is Hillary's bought and paid for dirty. Russian disinformation dossier, which raises the question of fraud before a FISA court. In my mind, that seems like a slam dunk. Am I wrong? No, I think you're, I think you're right. I, I think Merrick Garland has a, as a judge, he has a good reputation, a former Justice Department official as well. I'm sure he's going to get confirmed. Hopefully he will apply the law to the facts. He's that kind, he has that kind of reputation. Uh, he's not an Eric Holder, in my view at all. And again, I think that this is, look, when you have an election go the way it went, however it went there, the fact is they get to pick their nominees. And while there's already been some objections on others, I don't expect there to be much objection. There will be party line objection, but I don't think it'll be overwhelming. Yeah. You know, all these legal issues that the president has dealt with, we, you know, the president, uh, he uses the term witch hunt in, in so many different ways. Look at what this country was dragged through for three years. You were, you were part of following this entire Russian witch hunt. You were involved in, in everything I, I lived involving. It. You, yeah, well, I lived you lived it, it for, th- for three years. You, you lived the first impeachment uh, trial, you know, on a quid pro quo when there was only one fact witness. 
Only one. It was all based on a not even a real whistleblower, but a hearsay whistleblower, non-whistleblower. Right. And, you know, everyone that testified was either an opinion witness or a hearsay witness, and nobody had any facts. And the only real, the only true witness said, no, he didn't want a quid pro or quo um, at all. He said he wants nothing. He wants to make sure they're not going to be corrupt. And take that to the next level is then you got Joe bragging on tape that he leveraged a billion taxpayer dollars so they'd fire a prosecutor that was investigating his son being paid millions with no experience. Yeah. Well, look, I think the fact is that uh, we beat back Bob Mueller. We beat back the first impeachment. We had good success in a lot of the Supreme Court cases. And the second impeachment, which we did not uh, participate in, although we filed a, a brief with the Senate, on the legality issue of whether you can impeach a president who's no longer in office, which we took the position you cannot. Um, the president won these battles. I, he will win these other battles that he has right now. But, look, they're trying to – I think it's pretty clear that the moves here are to try to disable him, so to speak, from being able to run again uh, or to be a, a significant force in the body politic. And I think the reality is he's going to be a significant force in the body politic. And whether he runs again or not, that's his decision. But I think the legal issues are going to be get resolved as they do. They'll take time. Never, these things never move quickly, and um, you got to you got to handle them in an orderly and businesslike manner and, and a in a clinical manner. And we're going to do that. I'm confident the end result. All right, Jay Seculo, uh, the American Center for Law and Justice. ACLJ.org. Thank you very much, Sean. All right, twenty five to the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? You know, there's so much false information out there as it relates to the events that were unfolding in places like Texas, especially Texas and and Oklahoma. I mean, they they have temperatures as low as they've seen in in 100 years. I mean, people's pools are destroyed. The pipes in their pools destroyed uh, pipes in their homes, uh, literally you know, frozen, ex- you know, exploding, you have pipes bursting here, there, and everywhere. Then you have the electrical grid uh, not designed, not not meeting the demand that was needed at the time. And it's the most amazing thing when you think of a state like Texas. What do you think of energy, oil, natural gas, natural resources? One of the most amazing things that Texas has done over the years is they didn't want federal interference so they maintain their own electric grid. Well, as a result of pushing green energy, alternative energies, and we've talked, for example, a lot about what was happening with these with with these frozen wind turbines that liberals seem to love so much as long as it's not in their backyard, like for the Kennedy family. Well, then we find out that, oh, it really, you know, the, the green freeze in Texas was a big part of what happened here. You know, and then Chuck Schumer just, you know, goes out with the exact opposite message, lying, and this is what he said. The bottom line is, Texas thought it could go at it alone and built a system that ignored climate change. It was not what's called resilient. And now Texas is paying the price. I hope they learn the lesson. When we build power, when we build anything now, we have to take into account that climate change is real or people will be caught the way the people in Texas were. When I wrote the Sandy Bill, $60 billion for New York, we made sure everything was resilient. When they built back the subways, built back this, built back that, they were going to be resistant to climate change uh, changes. 
and we have to do that. So what really happened? Uh, Jason Isaac is with us. He's the director of uh, Life Powered, and a national initiative of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Uh, and this is his wheelhouse. This is what he talks about. Uh, he himself, by the way, um, you know, has a, a, a long career in studying this issue. Sir, welcome to the program. It's great to be on the Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for having me. All right, sir, you're a fourth-generation native Texan. This is a one-in-a-hundred-year freeze and, and frozen ice and and weather and snow that Texas isn't used to getting. Oklahoma's not used to getting. And you heard Chuck Schumer there. Did he tell the truth? <laughs> well, no wonder he's sending $60 billion to New York. Uh, they're getting their energy from Russia, it, literally importing natural gas into Massachusetts from Russia, uh, which is appalling because he and other leaders in New York won't allow pipelines to be built uh, to, to, to transport energy from Pennsylvania to help New Yorkers with affordable, reliable electricity. It's certainly not affordable and reliable, and unfortunately we had a, a bout of that in Texas last week because we've uh, implemented some market-distorting policies both at the federal and state level, that have picked unreliables over reliables. Now, I actually think that the decision of Texas to stay separate and apart from federal regulation as it relates to their electric grid was a smart decision. I look at Texas as a state, okay, with great natural resources and a lot of oil and a lot of gas. And then I look at, I I was frankly shocked to, to find out and discover that Texas had so many windmills and wind turbines, as they call them. But I wasn't surprised to find out that this, you know, this record low, these record low temperatures coupled with ice and sleet and snow uh, resulted in those things freezing. I guess there's no plan. Now, also wind turbines, my understanding is, is that you take the power that it's generating, you either use it or lose it, you can't store it. Tell me what part I'm wrong on. No, you're not wrong on any part. About 50% of the wind turbines were frozen and not operational, and those that were operational were delivering actually above expectations, and the wind people are really proud of this because they were expected to barely produce any electricity, uh, and they delivered, performing at about 2% of their installed capacity. So kind of laughable, but unfortunately, Texans were less suffering. And our battery storage capability, which is not theirs, projected to get to a point in 2025 where we'll be able to store 0.4% of our energy needs here in Texas, which is less than an hour in a day. And then you're going to take days to recharge again. So that isn't the solution. The solution is reliable thermal generation from clean coal, nuclear, and natural gas. And natural gas really picked it up, even though there were some man-made interruptions to the gas supply that were just, it got bungled. And it's unfortunate that that happened. Uh, but we, we like our independence here in Texas. We want to continue to be an independent grid because we don't want other states putting us in jeopardy uh, like California is doing to the Western interchange. Well, I mean, we see these rolling blackouts all the time in California. I don't think this is going to be Texas's problem long term, uh, but you've got all these natural resources. And look, Jason, I happen to be an all the above guy. You give me cheap energy and it's reliable, I'm in. I'm all for it. I don't care if it's solar. I don't care if it's wind turbines. I I just don't care. Uh, but I'd like to pay as low a, a price as possible at the pump. I'd like to to have the ability to, to heat and cool my home as needed without paying ridiculous rates. 
Uh, I think we're capable of all that. But there's one reality that we're now facing as of today and today being the 23rd of February 2021. And that is that oil, gas, coal, and you can barely ever use nuclear, which is another question I have. Why not? Because it can be done and is being done around the world safely. Um, and and that those are it's the lifeblood of the world's economy. And unless and until we have far better alternatives, this is what drives this economy. Now, now we're being driven into energy dependence again after becoming energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Yeah, you're right. These attacks and demonizing fossil fuels are, are unbelievable. We produce energy here in this country better than anywhere else in the world. And when you have the French government stepping in to cancel contracts for natural gas in Texas, like they did a $7 billion contract uh, for 20 years to take our natural gas and export it to places around the world, that natural gas is, is produced cleaner and more environmentally friendly than anywhere else. We're world leaders in clean air. We're number one when it comes to access to clean and safe drinking water. Water. But these policies from the current administration, where they're not allowing banks to loan money uh, to developing countries if they're investing in fossil projects, that's what lifts people out of poverty. They don't want them to experience the clean air and water that we have. They want them to be able to survive in poverty. That's a wrong decision. We should be ending poverty, and we can do that with energy produced right here in this country and do so affordably. We've well, got to stop. Yeah, go ahead, sir. I would say we've got to stop these market-distorting policies uh, because wind gets about a $20 per megawatt, uh, per, per megawatt hour of electricity created right out of the gate, and, and solar is over $80 in subsidies. So it's really tough for natural gas and, and clean coal and nuclear to compete with that, uh, and that's what we've seen here in Texas. That's what's really led to this. I wrote about it last summer. I knew this was going to happen. I thought it would happen in an August, not necessarily in February. I should have known better because that happened in my first legislative session in the Texas House in February 2011. Oh, so the answer for Americans now is what? Now that the, they stopped the Keystone XL pipeline, the president, uh, the president, President Biden now is going to end exploration and drilling in Anwar. I assume that the Dakota pipeline is next. Uh, that means that I guess this is going to make Russia rich again, the Iranian mullahs rich again, other Middle Eastern countries that hate our guts rich again. And we're all going to pay more to heat our homes, cool our homes and pay more at the gas pump for our cars and trucks. Yeah, and it's going to shift manufacturing overseas. These are pro-China policies that are anti-American. Uh, those jobs are going to go with them. And then, unfortunately, the pollution is going to make its way back to the United States. There's a 65% increase in ozone in Southern California that's attributable to Asian air pollution. So we're exporting jobs and importing pollution. We need to reverse that. We need to bring these jobs back here with American energy and produce those goods here, whether the standards and our environmental leadership are unparalleled around the world. All right, uh, Jason Isaac, appreciate your uh, insight. Um, you know, Linda, I told you about my, my niece. You know, she's a medical doctor. She's got two young kids. But after the, the last big storm when they lost power, I'm like, well, do you have a generator? And she said no. So I, you know what I got her for Christmas? I got her a generator, like a nice generator, not a crappy generator. Um, and literally, her block was without power for almost a week. And she ended up. You know, having all the neighbors and old people, anybody that needed to get warm. I mean, they were they were helping everybody out. One generator helped, you know, a whole block out. But see, here's the problem, right? So people in Texas 
are unprepared for what's happening because of the fact that they live in a warm place that has never had this before. And they're supposed to have leadership that backs them up. So we have a president that has not yet visited Texas. If it was President Trump, he would have been there just like he was during Hurricane Harvey. We would have had a first lady there. They would have been doing everything they can. We've got Biden doing CNN town halls and not going to Texas where it matters. And it's a very, very sad state of affairs for President Unity. Now we got no show Joe happy and all cozy in the White House doing absolutely nothing for our fellow Texans. I'm glad you like my name, no show Joe. First of all, I'm giving credit to Ethan because that's where it came from. So thank you, Ethan. Okay, but, but you've been using it since yesterday. It's but fantastic. But, but no, listen, you're right. And I'll tell you what does break my heart the most, though. And 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 I feel bad for the people of, of Texas. They're resilient. They're tough. Now we did lose people's lives here, so we got, I feel the not worst just people, for them. Sean, but children. But, right. Children. We, we we lost people here. We, people's lives were lost. This is preventable. And the next thing that really drives me nuts is all these people that have developed these these very skills very specific skill set that were working on these pipelines resulting in the lowest price we're ever paying for natural gas and for oil ever in well at least in the last you know however many years you know cheaper to put gas in our cars and trucks cheaper to heat and cool our homes all of these things now these people that have high paying career jobs the callousness by which the Biden administration like, yeah, we want you to get another union job. Hey, we're going to be making all these other. There's going to be tons of union jobs available. No, they're not. These guys were making six figures, six figures. OK, maybe maybe some people don't think that's a lot of money if you're really wealthy. No, six figures when when I was a contractor, six figures when I worked in restaurants, that was real money. But can I add a different point? And and it's it's tangent to that. And it's very important. Like Jason Isaac just said, you know, we now have Schumer who's out there acting like he could. This is a time. OK, but, Chuck Schumer doesn't know anything. about. But that's not the point. The point is that he's gloating about the fact that our state is taking in natural gas from Massachusetts, who's getting it from Russia, a country it, it, that we just spent 43 million tax dollars on to make sure they didn't interfere well, with our country. So I'm like, New, New York is now going to legalize weed, legalize gambling. They're going to legalize sports gambling. And meanwhile, unlike Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has been smart and the natural gas industry fracking is, has been an economic boom for the state. And it's the same exact resources are available in upstate New York, and we don't touch it. It would be the one thing that would resolve every financial issue that New York is now facing, but it's never going to happen because of the radicalism that runs Albany, New York. It's crazy. All right, 800-941-SEAN. feel so bad for these people with these pink slips. Nobody in the media seems to care. I thought liberals cared about working men and women. I care about working men and women. I am a I, that those are my roots. I didn't I, I, I don't understand it. These are lives upended dramatically. And I, it's just frustrating as hell. And it's all you know what the worst part is? It's only going to get worse. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right. News roundup and information overload. Our Sean Hannity show. Uh. There's two backlashes as it relates to coronavirus going on kind of simultaneously. 
One against Dr. Fauci. I mean, he's it gotten more political every every single day. And as we have gone over, he's got so much wrong here. New York Times even acknowledging the, the COVID emergency must end. But he's talking about wearing double masks now when he was the guy saying don't wear a mask and transitioned into, OK, it's a good idea to wear a mask. Now, almost every interview, he's attacking Donald Trump. Uh, the experts, including him, got so much wrong. They gave us so much misinformation the entire time. Every model, every prediction was was wrong. And, you know, Dr. Fauci, National Review, had a great piece. Fauci is not your God. Megan McCain, it's time to fire Fauci. You know, Fauci saying vaccinated people shouldn't dine indoors or go to the the theater quite yet. They're vaccinated. What is he talking about? Um, and then, it, I, but again, they can't make up their mind, right? Fauci blaming partisan fights over mask wearing leading to, to deaths. Well, he said on this program that it's incalculable, the number of lives that Donald Trump saved while Democrats were impeaching him. And he went ahead with the travel ban that people like Joe Biden were calling you know, a xenophobic hysteria, et cetera, et cetera. You know, yeah, okay, we're against masks. Now wear a mask. Now wear two masks. It's it's insanity. You know, you have Democrats claiming, yeah, Fauci's one. It's obvious he, he is one of them. Then you got this whole mess as it relates to this coronavirus, you know, relief bill, which I've gone through in the, in the earlier part of the program today. Hundreds of millions of billions of dollars not going to be spent till 2022. And then even more money not going to be spent till 2024. It's just one big smoke and mirror. And a lot of it is not in any way, shape, manner, or form earmarked at all for any COVID relief. I mean, it's just absolute insanity. And then the issue now of Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, um, is you've got now media people, you've got Democrats. Now saying he should be impeached, he should be removed from office. He's, you know, all these reports that he's threatened people. And, you know, I keep going back. What did Trump do? He did the travel ban in the midst of New York's, the worst moments in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. What did he do? He built hospital after hospital after hospital, converted them to COVID-19 capability. He provided, he staffed every single one of those hospitals. The Javits Center, 3,000 beds. The, the Mercy uh, Navy hospital ship and other hospitals around New York that he built, providing every mask, every, every uh, shield, every gown, every set of gloves, every ventilator. Donald Trump provided because Andrew Cuomo didn't listen to his own health care task force, which said when this happens, not if it happens, you'll be shy. Fifteen thousand seven hundred and eighty three ventilators. They didn't get one. And same with New York City. But Donald Trump did that. Operation Warp Speed was Donald Trump. Did he do everything perfectly? No, I don't think anybody did anything perfectly. I mean, a lot of us didn't know what we were doing. But the level of things that he did right is that is it's like on human growth hormone and and steroids compared to everything they got wrong. But there's Joe Biden saying that, well, Andrew Andrew Cuomo was the gold standard. No, the gold standard was DeSantis and people like uh, Christy Nome. And then you can listen to Fauci and his coronavirus flipping and flopping. Andrew Cuomo telling Fauci, uh, we're like the modern day De Niro and Pacino. Listen. Why is there not a nationwide stay at home order? 
I, I don't fully know. We've been leaving it to the governors. Thank God the governors have been moving. Your governor in New York's done one hell of a job. He, I think he's, he's sort of the gold standard. I think the American people, I know the American people, should really take the following attitude. The risk right now in the United States is really low. So it's difficult to present. I mean, looking at what we're seeing now, you know, I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that because it's, it's, it's uh, excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're, we're going to have millions of cases. Uh, maybe we enlist you. I'll do it with you. We'll do an ad telling New Yorkers it's safe to take the vaccine to, uh, to you know, put us together. We're like the uh, modern day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be which whenever, whichever you want. You can be the De Niro or Pacino. <laughs> Fauci I'll and Cuomo, I'll give you a friend. Who, who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? All right, joining us now, Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist extraordinaire, and uh, she's been following this very, very closely. Now we have Democrats calling for Cuomo to be impeached over this nursing home scandal, and I think the real whistleblower in this case that works for Cuomo saying that, yeah, we did it to avoid a Justice Department investigation. Where I come from, that actually has a name. It's called obstruction. <laughs> Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, honestly, it's sickening listening to those two fine pair. They are uh, Fauci and, and Cuomo, De Niro and Pacino, uh, you know, larking it up and, and having a great time. But this, they've had the time of their lives during the pandemic. They've grandstanded and showboated and made themselves into the hero when, in fact, the opposite was the truth. And, you know, Cuomo's great skill during uh, those months back last year when the pandemic was in full swing and he was having those daily press conferences was to differentiate himself from Donald Trump. And uh, all the Democrats and all the lefties who fell in love with him and swooned about him and called him the love of and, you know, virtually threw their panties at him, they were just reacting to a fraudulent <laughs> performance. Did you just say they, that they were thrown What is this, a Tom Jones concert? Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a sex god. He was a sex symbol. It's hard to believe now. But... I think people had nothing to do and they'd gone a bit crazy at home. And he was on television every day speaking about himself in the third person, holding himself up to be a hero. And by contrast, uh, holding up Donald Trump to be some sort of a monster who was responsible for all the deaths. And in fact, the truth was the opposite, that Cuomo at the same time was hysterical. He was bungling everything. He was overreacting, asking for too many ventilators. Uh, everything he asked for, Donald Trump gave him, as you just said, including the U.S. Uh, NS Comfort, the hospital ship, and the Javits Centre turned into a pop-up hospital, none of which was used. And, uh, you know, Andrew Cuomo, the investigations, uh, I'm sure, will show that the nursing homes had delivered him bucketfuls of cash, uh, and he, in return, gave them immunity uh, from civil litigation over their mishandling of the coronavirus. And then, you know, his callous memo, which he has downplayed, run away from, hidden from sight, and then covered up the actual numbers of deaths that happened because of uh, that callous order that he made to send 
COVID patients into those nursing homes with the most vulnerable population that we knew at the time. It's no excuse. He pretends we didn't know enough. We knew it was public knowledge that elderly people were at risk. And he didn't care. And he didn't want to put them into the Javits Centre or into the hospital ship because he didn't want to give Donald Trump a win. He had Trump derangement syndrome uh, you know, to a power of a thousand, and that was what he was running on. That was it. And now Donald Trump's gone. He's no longer any use to the Democrat Party. Biden's in the White House. No one needs him to be the foil against Donald Trump. So they're just letting it all happen, letting the truth come out. And thanks to the first person to really stand up to this bully, Andrew Cuomo, which was Janice Dean. And she did it because her in-laws were killed. And she decided that she was going to be courageous and stand up. And you see what happens if one person shows courage against a bully, then everybody does. Then it's just a landslide and the floodgates open. And now we've seen it. And you've even got journalists complaining about how he'd ring them up at 4.30 in the morning and uh, and just screech at them or, or send his minion to screech at them and to say, I will destroy you. That's a favourite phrase of of Cuomo. It's, I will destroy you. And he held a lot of people in fear in this state for a long time because he was so vindictive, so egomaniacal. And the good news is that in the end, bullies get their comeuppance. And it just takes that one person of courage to stand up to them. And let's hope that that gives inspiration to everyone else around the country. He's not the only bully in the country. He's probably the worst. But even but Miranda, the, the difference is in California, they have a mechanism called recall. Yeah. yeah, it it's much it's a much more difficult process in New York to remove a governor. And you have to get the Democrats to go along. So I don't really see I, I applaud the efforts, I guess, of Ron Kim. And and yeah. now that people in journalism are saying that he, he's threatened them and bullied them. Um, I've not had that experience with him. I, I would tell you if I did. Uh, I'm not. By the way, I'm not exactly going to be bullied by anybody. I'm not taking anybody's <laughs> crap. So, you know, uh, no one would dare, Sean. They'd be too frightened. Yeah, but 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 do I doubt it happened? No, I don't doubt it. And I think, quote, they, people should be listened to. But the sad reality is he's blamed, blamed nursing homes. He said it's about money. When all else fails, he blames Trump. He takes no responsibility for this whatsoever. It's pathological. Uh, it really is. Any normal politician would realize that they were in hot water and stopped digging the hole. But he doesn't. He just thinks that he can blithely bluster through and pretend that he did nothing wrong and he's perfect. But the people of New York are not fooled. The New York Post, we've just run a poll which shows the majority of New Yorkers believe that he did something unethical, if not criminal. Uh, and so he's not fooling anybody. We uh, were fooled back in our hour of need, back in you know March, April, May, June, but not anymore. We've seen him for what he is. And really, he has bungled the response to the coronavirus from the very beginning. Remember, he downplayed it in those early days. He uh, cast shade on Donald Trump when uh, he stopped the flights from Wuhan, from China, uh, 
to pretend that that was a xenophobic act and, and kept the subways open. Uh, then, you know, he the nursing homes. I mean, everything he's done, he's still doing it. The vaccines, to be threatening and bullying organisations that don't use up all their vac- that that don't... that. That if they don't give the vaccines only to the chosen people that he's decided, uh, you know, in his woke metric, are uh, worthy of the vaccine. So we wasted these precious vaccines were thrown out because people were afraid they were going to get a one million dollar fine from Cuomo unless they followed his rules to the letter. He is a tyrant. And he's an incompetent tyrant. You know, you can almost forgive him if he's such an authoritarian. If he actually did things well, but he doesn't. He's hysterical, he's emotional, and he runs roughshod over the experts in his department. He has a grandiose vision of his own abilities. He's a real menace and a danger. And as you say, I wish I wish there was some way of getting rid of him. I know there's a murmur of trying to impeach him. And frankly, if you can impeach a president for a phone call, you should be able to impeach a governor for sending uh, thousands of people to their early graves. It's funny because if you look at the states that got it, that did the worst job, it's New York, it's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, it's uh, California, and it's Michigan. And the states that stayed open and work with people and had, and by the way, had faith in people's ability to govern themselves. I, I mean, I love how Christy Nome would say it, and, and it's a different environment in South Dakota than it is in a in a place like New York where you have a high concentration of people in, in a small geographic area. But Florida has the same issues with a much uh, higher percentage of elderly population than, than New York. And Ron DeSantis wasn't perfect, but he did a darn good job, and he's doing a much better job with the rollout of the vaccine. I know... I know people are getting their vaccine down in Florida at a Publix, sort of like our local Pathmark or Stop and Shop. Oh, Florida's done a brilliant job. You know, of course, we didn't know what this virus is about and everyone stumbled early on. But uh, from the very first days, Ron DeSantis prioritized those who are at risk. And he was criticized for it at the time. And he just focused resources on protecting the elderly. And he let everybody else pretty much, uh, within reason, live their lives normally so that businesses could continue. And he didn't have these problems of depression and schools closed and so on. Miranda Devine, uh, New York Post, a columnist extraordinaire. We love having you on. Uh, thanks for keeping us up to speed. We appreciate it, as always. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Um, rare moment before we get to your calls. We had an AP reporter. His name's Matthew Lee, actually confronting the State Department spokesperson, Ned Price. Uh, are you guys taking credit for Trump-era accomplishments? So we'll continue to work closely with Germany. We'll continue to work closely uh, with our other allies and partners uh, in Europe to uphold Europe's own stated uh, energy security goals. It's a bit disingenuous to claim credit for the 18 companies winding down. All of this work was done under the previous administration. You guys have only been in month for, I mean, only been in office for a month, right? Are you telling me that in the last four weeks, these 18 companies all of a sudden decided to say, oh, my God, we better not do anything with I am I am speaking for the United States. I am speaking. You guys are taking credit for stuff that the previous administration did. I I am not. I am speaking for the Department of State. The people who have been working this, the people who are working this now were the same people a month ago, were the same people 
three months ago? Three months, months ago. ago. So okay. I... All right. One following up on that. So the administration is committed to ensuring that that pipeline is not completed. Our position on this has not changed. Unbelievable. Uh, Rare moment. Like to see if we have more of these moments emerge in the next four years. Don't count on a whole lot of them. Chantel is in Texas uh, on the Sean Hannity show. Chantel, how are you? I hope you're thawing out from your deep freeze down there. How's things going uh, where you live? We are good now today, Sean. It's nice and warm out, but we were not in the same situation last week. It was terrible. I mean, I have a lot of friends in Texas. My niece lives down there. And can you imagine? I actually got her. What a dumb gift, you'd think, right? She had had a problem. The power went out last time. I said, well, I need to get you a generator. I'm going to get you a generator for Christmas. And she's, yeah. I, said, no, I'm re- I said, a real good one. It ended up being a lifesaver for her and a lot of her neighbors. I mean, I'm so glad I I got it. I have to tell you, Sean, we actually, uh, we've just moved to Texas from Arizona a year ago, and we purchased a generator because we live in a town called Kingwood that uh, Hurricane Harvey had hit pretty bad. So we bought a generator, and it was honestly a lifesaver because we didn't have power for 36 hours. The the infrastructure in New York is so bad. The power goes out so often. You know, because I have studios near my house, I've had to buy generators, big ones. And they're so good. The second your power goes out, boom, it powers right back up. I mean, it's incredible. And yeah. and I, listen, even if you have a small one, just to kind of keep the heat and a couple of lights on, that's helpful. That's what we did. We used it to keep our food in our refrigerator cold and our freezer. And luckily enough, we have a gas-burning fireplace in our living room. So um, our entire family, all five of us, huddled up and slept in front of a tiny fireplace for two nights. You know what? I was reading stories that families were actually, if they didn't have enough firewood, were actually using like old pieces of furniture. I mean, oh, man, that's that's desperate at that point. There's been there's been stories of people who actually have lost their lives here in Texas during the freeze. Um, I know. I'm so sorry. Space heaters inside and things that you know, aren't always safe. Um, There was a family in Houston who used their gas grill inside because they were so cold. So it was real bad. And we haven't, we didn't have very much help at the time. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I've, I'm just glad you guys are out of it. Um, Obviously some changes are going to have to be made. I will say this, this, this crap about blaming Ted Cruz for dropping off his daughter. I'm sick of hearing it. And I'm sick of hearing it, especially through the prism of Democrats and media mob people that ignore all things uh, Cuomo and the nursing home scandal. Ted Cruz has a fan. You can be a father. You can telework like everybody's been doing during COVID. You can accomplish a lot, even when you're on an airplane, if you're connected. And then you're going to turn around and come home. They're acting like this is the worst thing ever. Um, and and I'm, I just, I'm not buying it. And if I would believe it if they gave even a, a tenth of the attention to what happened up in New York with this nursing home scandal with a real whistleblower that said, yeah, we didn't want to give you the truthful information because there was a, a Justice Department investigation. OK, that, that you know, where's some sense of proportionality, but our love, our thoughts, our prayers with our friends down in Texas, Chantel, um, wishing you guys the best. OK, hang in there. All right, 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, let's see. Everyone on my team disagrees with me on Senator Cruz, but I don't care. 
because I think it's baloney. I, I, you know what? The same media mob that won't even touch. You have cable networks that barely or won't touch the whole Cuomo nursing home scandal, but they're going to talk about Ted Cruz's turnaround trip. No, I'm not buying it. Uh, let's say hi to David in Florida. David, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean. How are you? I just wanted to uh, make a comment. It kind of made me laugh yesterday. I heard you say that uh, Como is the realtor of the year in Florida and uh, have a kind of a personal anecdote <laughs> to that. But by the way, he, he's he's sort of like the, the, what do you call it, the Chamber of Commerce for Florida. Yeah. Exactly. On, on my street alone, it's a it's a small street in a bigger neighborhood. Just since the 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 fall, there's been three homes that have sold on our street, never were even on the market to New Yorkers, and they're paying cash sight unseen and over the asking price. And up to one, I talked to one of our neighbors. I saw him cleaning out his garage. He had his kayaks out in the driveway and i asked him if he was selling his kayak and he says no i sold the house i go what and he goes yeah i I didn't even know it was on the market he says well i put it on zillow and realtor.com and in four hours i had three cash offers and i took the highest one which is sixty thousand dollars over the asking price you know look i i mean i i I, there was a story out today about kamala harris it's funny you mentioned this and how it, she sold the condo, I guess, for $800,000, all right? Huge profit. Um, and I, 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 my attitude is, oh, you made money in real estate. Good for you. I mean, it's, it's, it, for most people, your real estate is the biggest investment in your life. She had bought the, the condo for $489,000 in 2004. It's not like it was a huge you know, leap. It seems within the market range. And I'm like, but the word profit is evil for the left. It's not evil for most people. You can sell your home and make a whole big bundle of money and you're willing to go through the hassle of moving. I say good for your neighbors. (laughs) And, and by the way, that's happening all over Florida and Texas. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I see more and more New York plates. I mean, we've always had a lot of New Yorkers down here, but I'm uh, seeing more and more plates all over the place now. Yeah. Well, anyway, you're going to see a lot more. Don't you know? We they ought to have a litmus test. Now I'm kidding here for mob media people that monitor the show, but they they you need to be able to pass a basic fundamental test if you're going to bring your crazy ass California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois voting patterns with you. Uh, and destroy the state you're going to. Don't bother coming. Yeah. Otherwise, on that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you being with us. Texas George is with us. Hey, George, how are you? Glad you called. Sean, I'm enjoying a beautiful, typical Texas winter day right here. It's 78 degrees. There's all right. Time. Don't take this the wrong way, George. I hate you. <laughs> it's oh, freezing you, it's freezing and i'm looking out the window you know what i see snow yeah. i got p- picture perfect sky blue sky and whatnot but last week Are you, last week now, you, now you're being a total jackass now you're just now you're <laughs> just sticking salt in the wound and saying here let me jad be one more time i'm kidding go ahead hey uh I'm, i was in the oil field for 40 years i'm trying to get out i'm approaching retirement age but 
I've worked it through operations and been responsible for keeping wells online in cold weather. All eight times we've had cold weather here over all those years, and uh, we were winterized. Everybody's trying to sum it up, the te- summarize it, that Texas didn't winterize and that they're going to have to investigate this, but we were winterized for a Texas winter, not for an Arctic Circle winter. And uh, the week before, we had 78 degrees, and this thing came up on us really quick, and there's just things you cannot do to keep your operations running when it's 10 degrees outside and there's a 20-degree or 20-mile-an-hour wind. And, uh, well, that. no, I, I listen, I agree with you, and this is a one-in-a-hundred-year freeze for Texas and Oklahoma. Um, yeah. And But I will – I got to give a shout-out to Joe Bastardi because he, he urgently got in touch with uh, Linda and Sweet Baby James and – you know, I'm kind of harder to get in touch with than ever because I don't have email anymore, and it's hard to get me. But anyway, they finally got me, and I managed to get Joe on the phone with uh, the governor and with Ted Cruz and say, hey, you guys are not really understanding. This is going to be really, really bad, and it gave them a couple of extra days' notice to prepare, and I know a lot of preparation went into it. I'm not saying everything was done perfectly. I'm just saying that you know, it it became an all hands on deck moment, and I could hear the urgency in both the senator's voice and the governor's voice. Yeah, but what what bothers me about as we go forward to try and figure out how to prevent this in the future is all the talking heads and the echo chambers are going to try and summarize it down to a few simple things. And uh, production operations are very complicated, and uh, there's there's things that could have been done to mitigate some of the problems, but with what we have down here and what we're used to operating in, uh, it just can't be overcome. Once once the roads freeze up, you can't haul your oil off the lease, so your tanks fill up, you got to shut in, and then you lose your gas production associated with that. I mean, it's just, I've, I've been through it all. I've stayed on in the cold weather, and I've lost my wells in the cold weather. And, oh, I'm uh, sorry. Man, four, or five days, four or five days is not enough enough time to be ready for for an arctic blast and, and yeah. you don't invest for a 70-year event and uh so no well i'm sorry to hear that i know a lot of people had their pipes burst a lot of people's pools are you know they're gonna have to re re what's the right word not rewire they're going to have to replace the pipes that are in there because I'm sure some of them are cracked and frozen. They didn't have heaters in their pool or they didn't have the electricity to heat the pool uh, to prevent it from happening. And you're right. There's a lot of winterizing that goes on in my home every year before the before the winter weather. And it's just something you got to stay on top of. And if it only happens once every hundred years, you're not likely to do it. And it's going to cost people a lot of money. I'm sure there'll be a lot of insurance claims too. Hopefully, people are insured properly. And um, but yeah, it's rough. Hang in there, George. We need you. We need all these guys in the energy sector working. It's the saddest yep. thing to me. Unbelievable. Cole, Michigan, next. Sean Hannity show. Hey, Nicole. Hi. How are you? Great show. I just wanted to comment on the um, Governor Cuomo in New York, and it's confusing to those of us that live in Michigan, why Governor Whitmer isn't in the news as she did the same thing with nursing homes, uh, refusing to release the data. We had Cobo Hall turned into a COVID um, overflow that never saw a patient, just like the ship in New York. Um, 
I guess we look at it as we've lost so many businesses. Uh, we were going to Indiana where we could freely shop and, and dine. And Governor uh, Whitmer was proclaimed the Indiana Businesswoman of the Year for sending so much business down to Indiana. Um, looking at Florida and Governor DeSantis and how he has run things, clearly these lockdowns didn't work, and we are going to be paying for this probably for the next 10 to 20 years, um, our state. I, I, I know many people in Michigan. I, and what you're saying is you're, you're not overstating this. And the, like New York, they had four full pages of pictures yesterday in the New York Post. Empty stores, closed restaurants, empty stores, closed restaurants. They're not coming back. And all these businesses leaving for low-tax states like Florida, the Carolinas, Texas, oh, you name it. They're getting the hell out. And I, I don't know how it recovers. Anyway, hang in there, Nicole. Our elections matter, don't they? They really do. Things up for today. Uh, hope you'll join us tonight. Hannity, 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Fox News Channel. Uh, Newt Gingrich, Dr. Scott Atlas will join us. Geraldo versus Dan Bongino. Miranda Devine, Pete Hegseth will update you on this accident that Tiger Woods was involved in and the surgery uh, that ensued thereafter, leg surgery. Uh, all coming up, 9 Eastern tonight. Hannity, Fox, we'll see you then. Uh, Back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us.